was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. He opened not his mouth, made no defense for himself, never made any argument as to, as to regarding how illegal and how wrong he was being accused. He did not defend himself. Because had he defended himself, had he decided, you know what, it's time for me to look out for number one, he would have yielded to that spirit of offense and thereby would have submitted to the enemy and would have disqualified himself from being the Lamb of God without spot and blemish. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. With the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. To bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see a seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the travail of his soul. And God shall be satisfied. All the demands of justice would have been met. And by the knowledge of him. Shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquity. Jesus was made to be sin for us. He didn't commit sin, but he was made to be sin. Now, the good thing about that is he was made to be sin that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He didn't commit sin, but he was made to be sin by faith. You don't have to commit righteousness, but you are made righteousness by faith in what he has done. In Psalms 22, but he was made sin, so he made sin. In Psalms 22, that picture of Jesus on the cross and, and, um, and the sacrifice, read it from verse 1. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you, so, are you so far from helping me from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But you are holy. Jesus on the cross is saying to God the Father, you are holy. Saying to the Holy Spirit that you are holy. Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God. That separation taking place on the cross where it was just the Son of Man there. And he's looking to the Son of God. He's looking to the Father. He's looking to the Holy Ghost. He says, you are holy. You are holy. That inhabit the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and you, you did deliver them. They cried unto you and they were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not confounded. You are holy. But I'm a worm. But I'm a worm. Jesus the son of man became sin. He became identified with the devil. Like as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness so must also the Son of Man be lifted up. Like what? The serpent. Come on. Isn't that a type of the devil? I'm a worm. I'm no man. A reproach of men and despise of, of the people. And all day they see me, they laugh me to scorn. 
They shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God and from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Jesus was born pure, holy. Completely be with the seed of God. No iniquity. No unholiness. No unrighteousness. No imperfection within him. Pure and holy. But on that cross, when he became sin, when he took the sins of the whole world, not only did he take the sins of the whole world and the transgressions and the iniquity, but he took the very nature of it. He became sin. He took that very nature and was as a worm, was as a serpent. So now, here the Holy Son of God and now he's become sin. What's going to happen here? And he's going to go to hell. If he remains in that state, there is no hope for anyone. So what happens? Hebrews chapter 1. We got to get him out of this. Would you say? Yes. He needs to get out of this. But praise God. The Bible says the sacrifice had met every judgment, every um, requirement that God's holy judgment demanded. The Bible says he paid double the cost of all of the, the transgression and the wrath of God that ought to be poured out. And I think that's in Isaiah chapter 40. He, he, there was an overpayment, if you could imagine it. Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. He had in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, by himself, not the help of any other, he had by himself, the Bible says, he took on the form of man. For as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, which is the devil, that he might taste death for every man, that he might deliver us from that place whereby, because of the fear of death, we were held in bondage. So when he had purged us from our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, and he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He obtained a more excellent name. Why? Because he was obedient even unto the death of the cross. Wherefore God had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and earth and under the earth. Being made so much better. For though, for unto which of the angels had God the Father said at any time, you are my son. This day have I begotten thee. This day have I begotten thee. This day have I begotten thee. This is the day when you got born again. Now just to make sure that we're not mixing this up. 
It is the exact same word begotten that is used in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was begotten again. He was born again. He was not left. His, he would not leave his soul in, in Sheol. He was, not, he was not left in that state of sin. But he was born again. Said so Jesus was born again. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 calls it, says he's the first begotten from the dead. The first begotten from the dead. No, 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 no. He was not the first one raised from the dead. Was Jesus the first person raised from the dead? Elijah raised people from the dead. Who else was raised from the dead? Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. The, the lady, who, who, the widow's son, if none, was raised from the dead. He was not the first raised from the dead, but he was the first begotten from the dead. He was the first person that became sin that was born again. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. So again, when he bring it in the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. God the Father said, let all the angels worship Jesus. This one that was born again. Now I thought it says in the commandments, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, and you shall worship none other. You shall not bow your knee to any other, but to God only. Now is God violating his word by, have, by saying let all the angels worship Jesus? No, because God is acknowledging that Jesus is God. God calls him God. Hallelujah. Now people are going to wonder, why isn't there salvation in some other one? Why can't we get salvation from over here or from this other spiritual leader? or this other? No, the reason why not is because there is only one that has been raised from the dead and his name is Jesus. That was born again from the dead, born out of that sin nature. There is only one that has been raised up to whom God said you are God. That is the reason why it says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 that there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And because he is the propitiation, the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and every individual, that is why it also says in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, there is no other mediator between God and man but the man Christ Jesus. That's why it says in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, not our way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. So God called him God. And God said, Lord, all it. And of the angels, he said, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son. Oh, he said, The angels, oh, he made them a flame of fire. But to the Son, what did he say? Thy throne, O God. God called Jesus God. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Jesus was born again. It is not good enough for us to say, oh, he was, he was just born. He was born to die. That sounds nice. 
but it's not good enough. He was born, yes, he was born to die, but then he had to be born again. What if he wasn't born again? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13 says, Yea, verse, four, verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching and your faith is in vain. Because you are serving a Jesus that you've never seen. And you are rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. People are risking their lives. People are being martyred. Why? What for if there is no resurrection? But thank God. You see, God is so awesome, so supernatural, that he has placed within man a capacity to believe that which he doesn't even see. Enough to the point where he'll die for it. Hallelujah. He says, yeah, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ risen. And if Christ be not risen, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. But Jesus was raised up, praise God. Hallelujah. That is why salvation is really, really, at the end of the day, it's quite simple. Believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead and accept him as Lord and you shall be saved. There is such power in the truth. There is such power that you could be living in the, you could be, huh, you could be in the midst of a graveyard. You could be in the midst of some, of some demonic, satanic ceremonials with riches. Devils, demons everywhere. And if in the middle of that you said, Jesus, I declare you are raised up from the, from the dead. I believe that. Come into my heart. I receive you as Savior. You did, no, no devil in hell can stop you from being born again. That is what Jesus meant when he said in John chapter 16. That when the Holy Ghost has come, he will convince who? The world. Not the believer. You already believe. The believers need to know what belongs to them. They need their inheritance revealed. They need to know, they, the Holy Spirit needs to take the things that are of Christ and reveal it all to them because it belongs to them. But as for the world, they will be convicted of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, why? Because of not believing on Him. The only thing that can take somebody to hell is not all the bad things they did, but as if they say no to Jesus. Why? Because He's the only means of salvation. And of righteousness, we will convince them that they could be made righteous. They could be made pure. They could be in the sight of God, holy, unblemished, without reproach. They could be before God as holy as God himself is. Not based on their works, but because Jesus has gone to the Father. And the price has been paid. And by the knowledge of him, shall my righteous servant make others justified as if sinners never be. And, I will, and he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Why? Because the prince of this world has been judged. What do you mean the prince of this world has been judged? He has been brought to naught. He has been defeated. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, and he did it on behalf of every human being that would receive him and would receive that victory. Which means what? Jesus says he has been cast down. The accuser that accuses day and night has been cast down. And now the power of Christ, the kingdom of God has come. And we have overcome him 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. He has no authority to accuse anyone except they be ignorant of what is already done. Because in the, in the eyes of God, God says, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. I have no record of it in heaven. Come boldly before the, before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. Come boldly through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the veil of his flesh that has been told so you could stand before the presence of a holy God in the holiest of holies by this new and living way that he has consecrated for us. That is the reality of the gospel. That God is not holding your sins and trespasses against you, but he was in Christ reconciling even the world unto himself. Are you, are you with me? Hallelujah. The simplicity of gospel. Paul said in 1 Philippians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. This is the good news that it was spoken of there in, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11. The good news. They get the good tidings with joy to unto all people, which I preach unto you, and which also you have received and wherein you stand. I've delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he was seen by Cephas, and he was seen by, by the twelve, and then he was seen by five hundred at one time. That is the gospel. Jesus died, and he was raised up from the dead. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is called the first begotten of them that sleep. The first begotten from the dead. The first begotten of many brethren. Now you will notice in John chapter 3 verse 16, it says, For God so loved the that he gave what? Only. Say Only. His only begotten son. Only. But, but when you start going to Revelation 1 verse 5 and, and those other places, he is the first begotten of them that see. First begotten from the dead. Firstborn of many brethren. I don't know about you. I don't know what number you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he was made to be head over all things. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Jesus was born. Jesus became spiritual death. And it was separated from the Father. And then Jesus was born again. But now you see, man, we have a similar thing happening. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, 7, verse 9. You might need to see this because this is not a familiar verse. But I'm not about to debate this verse. Anybody out there? I'm not debating this verse. <laughs> All right. Romans chapter 7, verse 9. Paul says, when you're there, Romans 7, verse 9, because I'm going to use this to jump off, so you might need to see this. Hallelujah. All right. Romans chapter 7, and verse 9 says, For I was alive. Without the law. Before they touch not, taste not, and so on. I was alive. Without the law. But when the commandment. When the law came. What happened? Sin revived. Sin revived. And I died. Now first of all. You know there's a difference between. Revival. You know we suddenly say. Oh let's pray God send revival. Send revival on the whole earth. Send revival in this country so that people might get saved. 
People that aren't saved don't need revival. Amen? They need evangelism, whatever else. But it's the Christians that are alive but dead. <laughs> They're the ones that need to be revived. Because they need to get life again. Does that, does that make sense? All right. So let's go back here. I was alive without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And I died. Well, here's what happened. Your mother conceived you and she had that sin nature, so to speak. As it says in, in Psalm 51 and verse 5, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So you had this sin nature lurking, just waiting, just waiting to jump on you. Here you are, you're a little baby, born and you're nice and innocent and sweet. <laughs> Amen? Until they stop pouting out their mouth. <laughs> right? Hey, you know, hey, I didn't say, but the Bible actually says, I think it's in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, where it speaks about, uh, about, um, about walking according to the prince of the power of the air, that, that the spirit that now works in the children of what? Disobedience. That eventually shows up in that sweet little baby. But at first, the baby is as innocent as ever. But then all of a sudden, that sin nature begins to rise up. And by the time they hit two, and they start hitting daycare or whatever, men all of a sudden now, they can have six toys, and another kid over there have one toy, and they want that one. What happened? Sin has revived. <laughs> Right? And they no longer love to God. Now that sin nature is there and they so sin revived and I died. So here we see us born into this world in a state of innocence, so to speak. And it is for that reason that, I mean, if someone has had a miscarriage, an abortion, or whatever the case might be, that a child is in such a state of innocence that that child goes to heaven and that child will be there. And you'll, if you, and you'll see that child. Amen? If you haven't named that child, give the child a name. Because the child is alive and well. Probably grown up a little bit. People who have various other issues and they could not make that decision for Christ, God is not going to hold them accountable in that sense. You know, whether there was some mental retardation or whatever the case might be. Alright? However, for the normal case where we are born and we are in that state of purity... But then sin come and it revived and then here we come from being born just like Jesus was. Not with the same kind of purity, you know what I mean? But anyway, and then bam, here sin, sin revived and then we suffer that separation from him. Now like as Jesus, if Jesus had died with that separation and went to hell but he was never born again, where would he be? Alright. So what happened to that person who is born but then somewhere along the line that sin kick in and if that same sin nature comes upon them and now they begin to do, and they begin to work its way out, and they die in that place of separation from God. Where are they going to end up? With no way out. So like as Jesus was born again, they too must become born again. Amen? Do you see the pattern? Born, die, got to get born again. Hallelujah. So, in John chapter 3, Jesus, you know the story, talking to Nicodemus, says you must be born again. If you're not born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. No matter who you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter what a good person you have been, you've got moral character. 
You know people like that? They've got moral character. They are charitable. Men according to their own way. But yet, they're before a holy, pure God. All of their righteousness and all of their goodness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. It's like a menstrual cloth. All of the best of their righteousness. So Jesus says you cannot make it into the kingdom of God, into God's domain, and come into this arena except you be born again. And you must be born again of the word of God and of the spirit of God. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, Be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 speaks about the fact that we are regenerated. By the work of the Holy Ghost. But you must be born again. There is no other way. You must be born again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the Bible says that this whole process, like how does this happen? What really goes on? Well, Isaiah 53 verse 11 says, By the knowledge of him, the knowledge of what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? Died, resurrected, shed his blood, given us his name, we call it a sacrifice. God so loved the world that he what? He sacrificed his son. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and all of it. So by the knowledge of him shall my righteous servant justify many. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto what? All men. It's available for all people. But it doesn't mean that all people are going to get it. You can only get it by faith, by believing what he has done. So salvation has come. It's available to all people. But Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, But you are saved by grace through faith, not of works as any man should boast. It is a gift. You are saved by grace through faith. So one must believe. You've got to believe. Jesus said again, going back to John chapter 16, the Holy Ghost will convict the world of sin. Why? Because that they believe not on me. You've got to believe on him. There is no other way. It's not you earning it or anything else. It is by believing. If you could be saved by some other means, other than believing, if you could get saved some other way, then Jesus died in vain. It means that the plan that God had was just ridiculous. Amen? And that's why the Bible says the issue of Jesus dying and shedding his blood, to some people it's foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you must be born again. Another verse of scripture, Romans chapter 3 verse 22 says that righteousness has come upon all men. Righteousness is available to all men, but it only comes on those who believe. Say, I must believe. So, now there's a story then. So, it already tells you how does this stuff work. Now, I'm saying this, yes, for those that are not saved, but I'm also saying it for us who are saved, that we would have that knowledge to be able to share with others that they must be born again. Amen? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Lord gives the word, but great is the multitude of them that publish it. 
It is you and I that have to publish it. How are they going to hear if somebody don't tell them? Amen? How shall they believe in what they have not heard? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there was a story in Acts chapter 16. You know the story where um, Paul and Silas were in jail and, and so on. And, the, and at midnight they begin to sing and the, and the jail begin to shake. Right? You know, I mean, folks got excited. Angels begin to join in the chorus. And I mean, they begin to shake and all of the chains fell off. They weren't even thinking about getting out. They stayed. And the jailer, recognizing what had happened, I mean, he, you know, he, he began to freak out and he thought, man, I'm in a lot of trouble. And then Paul spoke to him and says, we're here. We didn't run away. We're here. And I mean, that guy came trembling and he came to them and he said, what? What shall I do to be saved? And Paul answered by saying in, in Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in your house. Simply believe. You know, I think it was Smith Rickles' word that said, I think it's Smith Rickles' word that said, that God, God wants people to be saved and to come into a relationship so, so badly that he made it as simple as it could possibly be. And he said, only believe. That's it. Only believe. How much simpler does it get? Only believe. How do you express that believing? You just declare according to Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10. That you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And you receive him. You say I, I take you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I invite you into my life. Whatever the words are. I believe that you are raised up from the dead. And I take you as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 13. That God is rich. He's abundantly rich to all them that call upon his name. John 1, 12 says, as many as receive him, God gives them the power, the ability, the authority to become the children of God. He said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought to my child, I thought, no, 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 no. You are, you are in the natural Whoever your parents are in the natural, you are. They are your parents and you are their child because you have their DNA. Well, it's the same in the spirit. Whose DNA do you have in your spirit? If you're not born again, then according to Jesus, in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says, ye are of your father the devil. Meaning what? You have his nature. And unless that nature is changed, that's why he says, get born again. So you can have the nature of God. That's what happens. You might look the same on the outside. You might even behave the same until you learn. <laughs> but your nature changes on the inside. You must be born again. So as many as receive him, he gives the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that call upon his name. And when you become born again and you got a brand new, brand new nature inside, God looks at you. And even though you still have your flaws and even though there's still some stuff outwardly and in your soul and your life that needs to be worked out, God looks at your spirit. And he says, in, you, in my sight, you are holy. You are without blame and you are without reproach. Colossians 1.22. And that is available for every human being. No matter what a hideous life. He has lived, or whatever he has done, or whatever his parents has done, or whatever whoever else has done, just receiving Jesus. 
God makes you holy as he himself is holy. Righteous as he himself is righteous. And God, the Bible says, removes you out from the authority of the devil. Out of his kingdom. And moves you into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of life. So that the devil no longer could rule and reign and dominate you anymore. Hallelujah. The Bible says God puts the spirit of his son in you. So that there is something on the inside where you know he is my father. There is a witness. There is an agreeing, attesting to the reality that you are now a child of God. And when you are a child of God, you know it. You don't wonder. You know it. You know you have passed from death unto life because of that love that is shed abroad in your heart. You know it. It is real. His spirit bears witness. And the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, And now are you the sons of God. Now you become a son of God. And you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. God puts in your spirit all kinds of good stuff. The love of God and, 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 and God puts your whole future, all of your inheritance, he puts it in your spirit. Christ himself becomes your life. So that whatever you face going forward, Christ, in all of his fullness and his magnificence and his power and in his might and in his healing and his health, he becomes your hope and your confidence no matter what you face. Whatever trouble might come, whatever trouble might be in your life right now, just the reality of being born again and having Christ on the inside of you is what gives you a supernatural hope. A supernatural hope. First Peter 1 3 says you're born again by resurrection to a living hope. A hope that God had that he was reserving and keeping just for you. But the moment you get born again, bam, it's yours. And God says now the future is yours. You are blessed forever. I'm with you. I'm for you. No weapon formed against you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. Battles might come. Things might happen. But I'll raise you up. Hallelujah. I'll cause you to be triumphant. But where does it all begin? Without the new birth. Without being born again. The Bible says you are without hope. And looking to a dim, dark, fiery future. Not good. So you must be born again. Amen? Let's just pray right now. Let's pray here ourselves. But there are people out there, and maybe even here, have never really said, Jesus, I believe you raised it from the dead, and I make you Lord. There are people out there that are even watching this broadcast, that have maybe watching it for weeks, maybe even months, might like some things that are said, but they have not made that commitment. They might even believe the right things, but they still have not made the commitment. You see, believing a glass of water will quench your thirst is believing the truth. But that water will never quench your thirst until you drink it. So you believe Jesus is raised up from the dead, you're halfway there. But you got to do one more thing. You got to drink it. You got to act on the fact that you believe Jesus is raised up from the dead. And the way you act on it is you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. So let's just all say this prayer here and for everyone out there. And especially if you've never made Jesus the Savior of your life. I want you to pray this with me. You don't know. You don't know if you're going to be alive. You don't know what will happen. But just suppose, God forbid, that you were to die. Do you have any idea where you're going to be going? Well, let's be sure. 
The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says the wages of that sin is death, but it also says the gift of God is eternal life. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let us each pray this right now. Say, Father in heaven, I do believe that Jesus died for my sins and he was raised up from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life and into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I trust you. I give you my life. And I receive you this moment as my Savior and my Lord. Now the Bible says as many as receive him. God said he gives you the power to become the sons of God. The moment you make that decision, you are recorded in heaven as a child of God. And that instant you are removed out from the devil's authority into God's kingdom. And now God is not just the big man upstairs. God is not just God Almighty. He is that. But he becomes your father. Your heavenly father. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now if you, you're out there and you've made Jesus the Savior and the Lord of your life, connect with us so that we could communicate with you and, and, and be a help to you along the way. Amen? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's stand.